What's up, guys, and welcome to the Bleeding B&G Podcast. I'm your host, Jalen. So like I was saying, this is the Bleeding B&G Podcast, also known as Bleeding Burgundy and Go, where we'll be your new source for everything Washington football team 24-7, 365 days a year. I'm talking about podcast episodes. I'm talking about YouTube content, social media content across Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, as I previously mentioned. Anything that you're looking for for the Washington football team, we're going to be giving it to you. Um, So like I was saying, this is just our first episode, our pilot. So I wanted to take that time to introduce ourselves. um, And I want to just take some time uh, to put a bow and a wrap up on the 2020 season that ended about a week and a half ago with our Washington football team finishing with a 7 and nine record um, but also finishing as NFC East champions losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the super wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs um, so we're going to go ahead and put a bow on that and then we're going to touch bases on um, the 2021 season as we look forward because it's projected to be a big year for not only the Washington football team but for us over at Bleeding B&G as well so as I was saying we're just going to look back at the 2020 season really quick um, it was a roller coaster ride of a season um, with a bunch of low points and a bunch of high points um, starting out over a year ago with coach Ron Rivera um, getting hired um, and then all the stuff that we had to deal with throughout the offseason whether that be the name change um, dealing with the sexual harassment allegations um, that are still ongoing or whether that be uh, coach Rivera getting diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of training camp um, there was a lot of things um, that us as an organization had to face before um, we even stepped on foot to the playing field um, and uh, it all came into a head in week one where we had a big upset victory over the uh, Philadelphia Eagles um, where we came back from 17 point down 17 points down um, and we started on the high. That was the high point of that roller coaster ride that I was telling you about. And then, Lord knows, those next five weeks took us back down to that low point um, where we finished with a record of one and five throughout that period, resulting in the benching of Dwayne Haskins. Um, and um, things did not look things did not look bright. Um, if you're being if we if I'm being completely honest, if you would have asked a, a Washington football fan in September or October, if you would have told them that you guys would be would be NFC East champions come January. January, nobody would have believed you, especially not the way things started. Um, but I just wanted to touch bases on what I thought was the turning point for not only the team, but for a particular player as well. Um, and this game, this moment, this play, I believe, had an effect on not only the player, but the entire organization. And hopefully turned our fortunes around for not only this past season, but for our future uh, for many years to come. And I want to talk about the play. Um, the play that I'm talking about is when Chase Young actually hit Joe Burrow on the goal line against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the reason that I say that I believe that this was the turning point in this season is because after that play, um, if you guys can remember, uh, Joe Burrow rolled out to the right and almost scored a touchdown, but Chase Young met him all the way from the other side of the formation, head on, um, hit him, knocked the ball out, uh, ultimately resulting in us getting the possession back. Um, and I said that this was the the turning point in the season because I started to see a, a, a flip switch with Chase after that. Um, he did come out guns blazing at the beginning of the season um, against the Philadelphia Eagles, registering one and a half sacks and also um, forcing a fumble. But after his injury that he sustained in week three against the Cleveland Browns, he wasn't moving as explosive and he wasn't he wasn't moving as dynamic as 
you know, we have become to see, especially with him coming out of Ohio State, and especially with him producing in those first two games. Uh, I think he had two and a half sacks through first uh, through his first two games. But once he returned from that Cleveland, um, from the injury he su sustained against Cleveland, he just wasn't moving the same. He wasn't the same dynamic athlete that I'm used to seeing on film. Um, I've been used to seeing since the math of high school. Um, so as I was saying before, guys. Um, I believe that this play flipped the switch for not only Chase as a player, but for the team uh, as a whole. Because if you guys can go back to that game, um, the Cincinnati Bengals game came right after what was arguably Chase's worst game as a Washington football team member. And that was against the Detroit Lions. Um, he didn't play, he probably played, like I said, his worst game. Um, and at the end, um, he actually had the rough and the passer penalty that resulted in Detroit getting the field goal range to ultimately win the game. Um, so the Cleveland Brown game, I mean, the Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bengal game came directly after that, um, and um, the Washington football team came out pretty slow um, to start that game, if I do say so myself. Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, and those receivers were driving up and down the field, but what I can remember is that they didn't get as many points as they could have because they had their fair share of issues in the red zone, and I think they missed a field goal as well. Um, so, like I was saying, they were moving up and down the field, moving on that drive as well of the goal line stand that I mentioned, and it, it was almost as if Chase Young said he had enough. Um, it was time to turn the switch on and to be the player that everybody knows him to be coming out. Everybody expected him to be the generational talent that everybody expected him to be coming out of Ohio State, uh, the Ohio State University. Excuse me. Um, he had not. If if you guys can go back, if anybody has the capability of going back and rewatching NFL games, look at the way that Chase was moving in that before that fumble or before that hit, and look at the way that he was moving after, and look at the the concurrent games that came after that game. Uh, he just turned into a different animal he turned into a different beast um, he turned into the guy that started to galvanize his other teammates and this is one of the reasons why I said that this was a bigger uh, big turning point moment for not only Chase but for the organization as well because after that game after that moment we started to see Chase become a leader we started to see him step up we started to see him lead in pregame huddles we started to see him you know galvanizing the offense when he wasn't on the field standing next to offensive coaches I know by now everybody has seen the viral moment where he came to check on Taylor Heineke and Heineke's first action against the the Carolina Panthers and that's and that's the kind of guy that I knew Chase to be from Ohio State um, and after that play against the Cincinnati Bengals it was like the light switched on he was like I know that at least 95 to 97 percent of the time that I step on this football field I'm the baddest dude on this football field and it's almost like he took that approach and he just went with them for the rest of the season if you guys can remember after that Cincinnati um, game came Antonio Gibson's break game against the Dallas Cowboys Chase was a monster in that game registering a sack and having tons of pressure um, and then um, right after the win against the Cowboys came us snapping the Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated 11 and 0 streak um, so I believe that like I said that moment was not only huge for Chase but huge for the team as well because I'm a huge believer in when your best players are your leaders those create the best teams and the best organizations and I know it's early in his career. I know he just wrapped up his first season. But I personally believe that Chase is the best player and has the most talent on the Washington football team. So once you saw him start to step up and lead these guys, these group of men, as a rookie, which is something you don't see, especially with him getting his captaincy within the last couple of weeks of the season, which is a rare sighting in the NFL. Um, it began to, you know, turn the fortunes around for not only the team, but hopefully for the 
um, the organization as well because that young exuberant energy from a leader can be something that can sustain, can be sustained for a long period of time, especially with somebody as young as Chase. So to just put a bow on the 2021 season, um, I do want to go back to um, our loss against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that I mentioned we um, that we um, had in the Super Wildcard weekend of the playoffs. Um, it's been about a week and a half since that game and um, throughout the Washington football team community and things like, well, throughout the Washington football team community and things like that, I have heard people, you know, ready to anoint Taylor Heineke our starter. And I do want to get um, touch bases on Taylor Heineke's performance that he had against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was nothing short of remarkable, spectacular, magnificent. I'm I, I, I don't have enough adjectives to describe the performance that Mr. Heineke had put on against the uh, Buccaneers in that playoff game. Um, unlike a lot of people um, throughout the Washington football team, um, I kind of had a sense of who Taylor Heineke was before he joined us. Um, earlier this season or late la uh, last season, um, he actually played with a buddy of mine, a high school teammate of mine at um, ODU. Um, and I actually was live in person um, with the game that he threw for over 700 yards against Maine, if I can remember correctly. Um, so, like I said, while I did see some of this stuff, uh, some of the tangible things that Taylor Heineke did on the FCS level, I didn't. I had no clue that he would go ahead and ball like that on an NFL playoff stage um, with barely getting a amount of reps and barely getting any time running with the starters um, throughout this season and being in the building what less than what three or four weeks at the most um, he really uh, the performance that he put on that night was simply something um, truly remarkable um, especially when you consider the fact that a couple days ago that the same Tampa Bay Bucks defense uh, minus just Devin White made Drew Brees look like a shell of himself with him throwing three interceptions um, no well I'm not saying that you know Taylor Heineke is better than Drew Brees or is the next coming of Drew Brees in a one-off game sample between uh, similar defenses or the same defense minus one impact player Taylor Heineke performed 10 times better than Drew Brees did the other night um so like I was saying guys I did see some of Taylor Heineke um while he was at ODU um and some of the things that he displayed in his two drives against the Panthers as well as the game against the Buccaneers was some of the things that I saw in college would made me believe that he can be an effective um you know, effective NFL quarterback, not a starter, um, but somebody that can be on the NFL roster. And one of those things that I saw um, while I was watching him throughout college was Taylor has an amazing feel for it, the game. Um, if you look back at the game against the Buccaneers, you saw that he knew where his uh, scramble lanes were when he broke the pocket. Uh, for somebody so small or for somebody that small standing only at 6'1", you saw the tremendous pocket presence that he had throughout the game. Um, you saw that when he was able to get the ball off, um, he was, you know, putting the ball where only uh, his receivers can make a play, preventing turnovers. I think he only had one off-target throw, if I can remember correctly, and that was the ball over the middle um, that came off Logan Thomas's hands. Um, so, like I was saying, the, the, the feel for the game was something that I noticed Taylor have a long time ago. Um, and um, while, um, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of the Washington uh, football team community is ready to anoint him the franchise quarterback and ready to have him be the starter going into 2021 I will not go that far just yet um, however I do think at the very least that he has earned a right to you know be on the roster I think he's earned a roster spot at the very least in 2021 with the chance to compete um, with whoever they bring in whether that be bringing in Kyle Allen back um, whether that be Alex Smith returning or um, a QB plan down the line um, which we'll touch base on um, 
quick soon. Um, whoever whoever he's he's brought in to compete with, I believe that he has earned the right to compete for a spot in training camp. And the reason that I'm so hesitant on anointing him the franchise quarterback or our savior just yet is because I believe that this defense is honestly elite enough to compete for a championship now. I believe that our window for a championship starts now. I believe that it honestly started last year. I believe that this defense from 2020 was elite enough to win us a championship um, with, you know, with other parts built around the team. Um, so the, the reason that I'm hesitant on an anointing Heineke the starter just yet is because we're not sure. You know, he has limited game film on him, limited game experience. Um, so maybe somebody more of a short thing um, could be able to carry this defense in this window um, where they're ready to compete for a championship. Because we know in these this modern NFL, these windows don't last long with these three, four, five-year contracts that get shelved in and out, um, especially with the defensive line. Um, I know Matt Ioannidis just received a contract extension um, last year, um, John, um, a new contract. John Island just signed his contract extension, so he should be up for a big payday coming up. And then after that, which you have Deron Payne coming after that, Tim Settle coming after that, Montez Sweat, and then, you know, finality, um, Chase Young, who would seem to be the biggest contract of them all. So I'm not sure if we're able, if we're going to be able to sign those guys to their worth once all their contracts come up. So we need to take advantage of this defensive, uh, this elite defensive team scheme um, window um, so hopefully we can compete for uh, the championship so I do want to mention that today is actually Wednesday January 20th over the past couple of days we have got some you know front office news from the Washington football team um, so yesterday reports came out that the team was actually finalizing a deal with um, former Carolina Panthers GM Mar uh, Marty Herney and he was actually the GM that signed Ron um, to you know, Ron's first head coaching deal in Carolina in 2011. Herney has spent two terms as the Panthers um, GM. And while I was kind of skeptical of the move before, um, I know um, us throughout the Washington football team communities, we have heard Herney's name, you know, being mentioned throughout the rumor mill, being connected to Washington over the last couple of weeks. And while I was skeptical, um, and while I wasn't the biggest fan of the news when I first heard it, after doing more research, um, I believe that, you know, this may be the right move. Um, so coach Ron Rivera with his coach centric approach, we see that he obviously is putting an emphasis on continuity and um, continuity and comfortability. So hiring somebody that he knows that he's been around with, that he has the same philosophies as can only help. Um, one thing that I think coach Rivera has earned from us um, as fans is our patience, especially after this season, um, and his trust. Um, I know a lot of us, um, and rightfully so, um, were, were at Coach Ron's neck at the beginning of the season. Um, when he was, you know, sitting on timeouts and, you know, his explanations not matching up with his actions towards the end of the game. Um, but I believe that throughout this season, Coach Rivera has shown that he is more than capable of being the guy to write this ship and to be the guy to run this organization. So like I was saying, I believe at the very least he has earned our patience throughout at least this season and um, his trust with the moves that he's making with his coach-centric approach. Evidently, he has coached... Um, owner Dan Snyder's, you know, confidence and um, belief um, with him giving him this coach-centric approach model. Um, so us as fans, I just ask that we be patient as well. And then um, the Washington football team had also brought in um, former 
Detroit Lions GM and um, VP of player personnel for the San Francisco 49ers, um, Marty Mayhew. Um, they brought him in um, to join the front office as well. Um, so those are two guys with over 60 years of experience um, that I believe can help right this ship and continue riding these strong fortunes that we've been riding since, you know, November. Um, the, the the structure of an organization is only as good as its top people. So bringing in high level people such as um, Herney and Mayhew can only help. But I do want to mention this. I do want to mention this. Um, I would be remiss to not to not notice a pattern in these hot in these hirings. Um, so as I was mentioning before, I'm not sure what the QB plan is going to be for 2020. Um, and while I do want Taylor Heineke on the roster, I'm not sure if he's the starter. And I know a lot of people in the Washington football team community don't want to hear me say this because I know the report that came out with Adam Schefter um, concerning this name a couple weeks ago turned a lot of fans off. Um, I saw a lot of people on the timelines, a lot of people on the discussion boards turned off completely by the fact that we may um, bring in Cam Newton next season. And I was one of those guys as well, um, honestly. Um, to me, Cam looked like a shell of, them, of himself with the Patriots throughout this past season. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be 100% honest. I do think that a move like that is more likely when you bring in a guy like Herney, who actually is the GM who brought Cam into the league. He's the GM that drafted Cam number one overall um, in 2011. So... I believe that hey, um, Cam Newton may be in play for the um, for the quarterback market, um, for the quarterback position, um, quarterback X, as I know JP Finley likes to call it, um, in 2021. Also, when you bring in a guy like Martin Mayhew, who when he was first you know elected general manager um, in Detroit uh, for the Detroit Lions, his first actual draft pick was Matthew Stafford, and that's a name that's actually been on the rumor mill, being connected to you know trade trading being on the trading block maybe a potential trading partner with washington um that's a name that um i think is now more likely to um end up you know on the washington football team in 2021 um i just basically off the connections with the front office those are two names to watch out for um regarding the quarterback position in 2021 and that's cam newton and matthew stafford out of those two um i would preferably um bring in a stafford um because like i said last season cam just looked like a shell of himself to me um he still was pretty dynamic when he was able to run the ball but he didn't look like he could push the ball downfield um as consistently as we're used to seeing somebody who's a dynamic athlete like cam um do and he cam has shoulder shoulder surgery um and that takes a lot out of a quarterback that takes a lot out of a quarterback so while um while i was opposed to cam newton bring being brought in earlier a couple weeks ago i do think that it is more likely now with somebody like herney being into the fold now and then uh with stafford um and then with stafford dealing with martin mayhew i also think that he um like i said he's my preference um I just I think he has a little bit more juice left in the take, even though he's been um, in the league lo um, longer than Cam. He doesn't have much wear and tear on his body, even though he did um, sustain a back injury in 2019. Um, I just think that you know he has a lot more left in the tank, and I think it's a time just. Time for him and Detroit to have a change of scenery. I think that's the best for both organizations. So out of those two, between Cam Newton and Matthew Stafford, I would pref prefer Stafford. 
because I think Stafford is one of those QBs that can help us compete for a title and help carry this or help ride the tails of this defense um, all the way to the champion to a championship. Stafford is somebody who's had five multiple five thousand yard passing seasons. He was on pace for another one just two years ago before his back injury. And despite the dysfunction in Detroit. This season, nobody can say that Matthew Stafford was the sole reason that the Detroit Lions didn't perform to the best of their capabilities. Um, he was missing his his number one receiver and Kenny Galladay for a majority of the season. Um, so out of those two, um, and with the connections that our two recent hires in the front office have, I would definitely prefer Matthew Stafford over Cam Newton. But but be on the lookout for those two names because those two names will will come up on the rumor mill. Um, so we will be giving out. We will be pushing out these episodes once a week, guys. So, like I said, just be on the lookout for them. We're going to be pushing out this content a lot um, on our Twitter pages and on our Instagram page. So, in our upcoming episodes, we will be having a free agency preview with the new league year set to begin March 17th. We're also going to do a, a lot of NFL draft work with the um, NFL draft set to start um, April 29th. So, we're going to be pushing out a lot of content over here on Bleeding BNG. Um, but I want you guys first to follow our instagram at bleeding bng and that's b l e e d i n g b n g and then i want you guys to follow our twitter as well and that's bleeding bng but the spelling's a tad bit different it's b l e e d i n b in G. So it's only one G in our Twitter handle. And like I said, guys, we're going to be pushing out a lot of this content. We're giving you everything Washington football team 24-7, 365 days out of the year. So just be on the lookout for us. And thank you for tuning into our first episode.